Jorginho's costly mistake and a questionable Arsenal performance means that the North London derby ends in a 2-2 draw. We're going to be dissecting what was another thrilling encounter between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur right here on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. Hope you're good. Hope you're well. How's it going? Um, just got back from Emirates Stadium around about half an hour, 40 minutes ago. I've watched back the highlights, tried to kind of gather my thoughts ahead of this episode, because I have to say I left Emirates Stadium this afternoon, really, really disappointed, really frustrated, um, a little bit angry as well about certain things which we're going to get into of course, on this edition of the podcast. I'm interested to know how you guys feel as well, because for me, when you lead twice at home, you need to be able to see it out. You need to be good enough to make sure that you get all three points. I think there are a few reasons as to why Arsenal were nowhere near their best, and we'll touch on some of those points. But for me, you know, when you think about it logically and, and you really kind of dissect it and break it down. I know Mikel Arteta will say that we played well and I know that people will say, well, we had chances to put the game to bed. Yeah, we did at points in the game. But overall, I don't think our performance warranted any more, um, you know, than the the single point that we got. And on this episode, we're going to break it down. As I say, I'm going to get your thoughts, as always, from the live chat. Interested to hear what you guys think about this as well. Um, Jorginho's error, really, really costly in the end. But the truth is the performance in general wasn't good enough. So I don't want to hang one player out to dry. Um, we will talk about that error, that mistake. Um, of course we will. But for me, this was this was a performance that collectively disappointed. I have to say that. Um, I think Tottenham were good value for the point. They deserved the point. Um, probably didn't deserve more than that. If any side deserved more than that, it would have been us based on the clear-cut chances that we created and unfortunately for us, spurned. But um, yeah, I can't help but feel disappointed and, and we'll get into all the reasons for that, as I say, on this edition of the podcast. Remember, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video. Uh, subscribe to the channel if your brand spanking you as well. That really, really does help as we try and dissect what was a Another highly entertaining encounter, if you're a neutral, you got to say that. You know, people have often talked about the North London derby as being one of the most entertaining games in Premier League football, and it continues to live up to that reputation. End-to-end um, -end stuff, fast, frantic at times, uh, goals. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's a great game for the neutral, not so much for the two sets of fans that are involved in it, because for me... Um, I, I felt like a bag of nerves when I got to Emirates Stadium. Then I saw the team and I felt even worse. And then once I sort of gathered sort of where our shortcomings were, I started to feel even worse. And progressively over the course of the afternoon, I felt worse, worse and worse and worse to the point where actually I was quite happy and relieved that we got out of there with the point. We'll come on to talk about Spurs' side of it a little bit later on in the programme, but I cannot for the life of me understand why Ange Postacoglu made the changes that he did. I think James Madison might have picked up a knock. I know Son Heung-min had gone down a couple of times in the game as well, but, you know, he could have gone for it, Ange Postacoglu. And do you know what? The way Arsenal were defending, the way we were so disjointed 
in midfield, he probably could have got all three points. And what a win that would have been for Tottenham Hotspur um, at the Emirates Stadium. Let's go um, down this page and we'll start by looking at the overall statistics of this one. Tottenham with 53% of the possession. When was the last time a team came and played against Arteta Ball and had the majority of the possession? When was the last time a team came to Emirates and had the same number of attempts at goal as us? When was the last time uh, a team came to the Emirates and basically, I don't want to say caused us a ton of problems because it's not really what Tottenham did. But, you know, you talk about dominance and you talk about how important it is with regards to Mikel Arteta's philosophy that we keep hold of the ball. And, and it is very much the Pep Guardiola mindset, right? If you've got the ball, nobody can hurt you and you're only going to score if you're in possession. So there is this real big emphasis on possession, possession, possession. And we couldn't even get that right today. In the past, we've been criticised for having loads of the ball, um, loads of control, but then not being able to finish our dinner. Today, we weren't able to finish our dinner when chances and opportunities came along. But also, we couldn't exert that control that you've seen Arsenal exert. Um, in recent times, which was obviously frustrating. You've got to give some credit for Spur, uh, to Spurs for that um, for a number of reasons. But I think in terms of our team selection, I think we helped them. We helped them a lot. Um, we really, really did. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about the starting 11 that Mikel Arteta named. He started with David Raya in goal, which we all thought was going to be the case because of the fact that he played in the last couple of games. He kept consecutive clean sheets and there was no real reason that I could see anyway going into the game um, for for making a change back to Aaron Ramsdale. So I'm not going to kill Mikel Arteta for that, but we'll come on to Raya's performance in a minute. Um, ben White played at right back, as I'd expect, with Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko making up the rest of the back line. Odegaard and Rice played in midfield along with Fabio Vieira. Now, for me, it should have been Kai Havertz. I said it in the preview show that we did. Um, obviously, at the time, I didn't know that Leandro Trossard was going to be unavailable, but I stick by the fact that it should have been Kai Havertz ahead of Fabio Vieira from the beginning. I know people criticise Kai Havertz, and I know people feel as though he's not really settled in at Arsenal yet, and that actually what his inclusion does is imbalance us a little bit. And that is a perfectly valid opinion to have. But if you think that Fabio Vieira playing in that position gives us balance, then you're wrong, because he doesn't either. Because he's very much a player that wants to get on the ball and influence the game further up the field, but doesn't offer you very much going the other way. And on top of that, he's physically pretty weak. And, and that's the truth of it. You know, I know people say it's a lazy bit of analysis when people call Fabio Vieira weak. But the truth is, he went into a few challenges in that first half. He ended up on the floor. He isn't going to dominate physically in any way, shape or form. And I thought that if you were going to play one of them, which we knew Mikel Arteta would, it probably should have been Kai Havertz. I know people say um, that, you know, he was he was rubbish. For what it's worth, I don't think he was rubbish when he came on. Um, I think he was better than Fabio Vieira was in the first half uh, when he came on. Because first and foremost, or even just the basics, you know, he can get his body in between a man and ball and use his frame to hold someone off, which Fabio Vieira cannot do um, because he's just not physically built like that. Then we went into the front three. Bukayo Saka started on the right, as we expected. As I say, we heard yesterday sort of rumours that Leandro Trossard could be out and Leandro Trossard was left out um, due to injury. Unfortunate, yes. Um, I think we all came away from the game on 
Wednesday night and felt like Gabriel Jesus was electric through the middle and that he needed to play there again today. And Mikel Arteta decided to shake it up. He decided to play Eddie Nketiah through the middle and played Gabriel Jesus from the left. I think he got this wrong as well. Because for me, why would you want to unsettle two positions? Now, people will argue that Jesus has played wide before. And they'll also make the case that actually when Eddie Nketiah has played through the middle, he's been quite good. For me, as far as I'm concerned, there's not space for Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah through the middle. And if you then start putting one of them on the left and, and you're trying to sort of shoehorn them both into the side that way, I think you upset the balance again. And for me, yes, we were without Trossard. Yes, we were without Martinelli, the, the first two in the pecking order when it comes to sort of left wingers. But you just got to stick Reese Nelson in there just to give us that bit of balance. Just to give us that little bit of... um you know, of width on that left-hand side. That's one of the big features of our game is that our left winger, normally Gabriel Martinelli, pulls out wide and, and creates spaces and receives the ball on the touchline so that he can then carry it in field and dart in field. And that's how we stretch and open teams up. Gabriel Jesus playing in that position was never, ever, ever going to give you that. And not only that, I think it really disrupted our attacking play on the other side, where normally Odegaard and Saka combine really, really well, using the centre forward to come across and help out too. It just doesn't work with Eddie Nketiah to the same level. We all know that. We've spoken about that a million times. We know that our attack and our attacking football is nowhere near as sophisticated when Eddie Nketiah is leading the line in comparison to when Gabriel Jesus does that. So why weaken yourself by, A, putting Jesus in a position that he's unfamiliar with and didn't look very comfortable in, in my mind, and B, on top of that, then, you know, playing Eddie and Ketia through the middle. Like, it, it, to me, you basically messed up two positions. We could have been, you know, at full strength in two out of our three wide positions with Reese Nelson, who's more than good enough to have come in on that left-hand side. Some would argue Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, but for me, it was always going to be Nelson that got the nod ahead of him. And we saw that, didn't we, when Mikel Arteta started making substitutions. So I think in terms of the team selection, Mikel got things wrong. We're going to discuss some of the key moments in the game, of course. Um, we're going to do that because we've got to do that. There's so, so much uh, to get into. Remember, I want your thoughts and your questions as well. Uh, from the live chat box. So please do get them in. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you guys say. I'm getting a lot of stick in the comments from people's sort of trashing Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz didn't start the game today and we weren't any better for it. In fact, you know, I thought that he on an individual level seemed like a better fit for this particular fixture than Fabio Vieira did, if only because he had the frame to compete in midfield. That's That's how I see it. Um, right, let me um, let me share some uh, bits and pieces with you. Let's start um, looking into this game in a little bit more detail uh, with a little bit of analysis. Now, of course, Arsenal uh, took the lead through uh, Bukayo Saka. Um, well, through Bukayo Saka, it was an own goal according to uh, the Premier League, which I think upon reflection, having seen it again, uh, that's probably the right decision. That was on 26 minutes. Uh, Romero just sort of, swiping his left leg at it and um, it coming off of him and going into the near post, um, sort of wrong foot in Vicario. On 42 minutes, Hyun Min Song went down the other end and equalised for Spurs. And I want to have a look at that goal in a little bit of detail because this, for me, was really, 
really poor defending. Let's have a look at this. Arsenal's defensive fragility. This is when sort of the ball breaks to Spurs on that left-hand side in the lead-up to this goal. And I just think this is really, really poor defending all round. You know, it really, really is. James Madison picks the ball up in this wide left position. And Bukayo Saka, at this point where I freeze-framed it, looks as though he is in control of the situation. James Madison's right-footed, right? Bukayo Saka thinks he's going to do this. Bukayo Saka thinks that being right-footed, he's going to turn back that way. But aren't you aware of the guy's quality? Aren't you aware of the fact that you need to be sharp and you need to be on your toes? Because he could just quite easily drop the shoulder and turn the other way, which is exactly what James Madison does. And the minute he drops that shoulder and spins away, all of a sudden, um, Arsenal are in trouble because James Madison is in behind. He's across the byline and he's got options. Look, he's got one, two, three options inside the penalty area to pick out. Now, if I take this on a little bit further, James Madison spun away um, from Bukayo Saka and he's in a position here where, you know, he's off balance. At that point, when he's slightly off balance, that's when, for me, Ben White has to come out. Ben White has to react. He's at the near post. He's the right back. You've got to be protecting your winger. You've got to be helping your winger. When your winger's tucked into the fullback position to help out like that, and I, and I have to say, Bukayo Saka is culpable here as well because I think he should do better. You, as a defender, you have to come out quick and you have to shut him down and you have to make it difficult for him. You have to make it difficult for him. And he doesn't. It takes Ben White way too long to get out to James Madison. And Madison plays the ball across the face of the goal. And then what's even more disappointing is that you've got Saliba and Declan Rice, both inside the penalty area both around about the edge of the six-yard box, neither of whom understands really fully where Hume Son is and how he gets to this ball ahead of both of those two and none of them can get a block in is beyond me. It's poor, poor defending all round. Really, really disappointing stuff. Then, of course, after the break, the Gunners get a penalty kick. Now, Ange Postacoglu said he wants clarity around the handball law. And a lot of people have come out and said, Oh, you know, it wasn't a handball. For me, mate, that is an absolutely stonewall penalty. Was it a little bit unlucky on Romero's part? Maybe. Um, was it deliberate? Probably not. But you can't have your outstretched arm blocking the ball going into the goal from like four yards out and then expect that when it comes back off your hand, the VAR is not going to pull it up and not going to award a penalty. It was absolutely the right decision. Probably a little bit unlucky, as I say, on Romero's part, but you cannot not give that. And that's why we get the penalty kick. Bakayo Saka, to his credit, steps up. It's a brilliant spot kick. He just clips it down the middle, sends Vicario the wrong way. Arsenal were 2-1 up, and you're thinking, happy days here. But how long did that lead last? Not even a minute. And that's the most disappointing thing about this. Now, of course, at the break, Arsenal lost Declan Rice to injury. He had to come off with what Mikel Arteta has described post-match as a back problem. Off the back of that, um, he had to bring on Jorginho in that defensive midfield position. And I actually think that the reason he brought Kai Havertz on at that point was to try and help in terms of the physicality in midfield. I think that that is the type of change that he made or that he makes because he's fearful of leaving a combination of Jorginho and Vieira in there 
because of the lack of physicality, the lack of pace and all the rest of it. So I think he brings Kai Havertz in for that reason, just to bring a bit of stature to that midfield. And as I say, I think that's a change that is, you know, that is almost forced upon him by the fact that Declan Rice has come off. If we take this on and we go on to have a look at Jorginho's costly mistake, look at where Jorginho receives the ball, right? He's on the edge of the centre circle. He's being pressed by a combination of Madison and Son. At this point, a player of Jorginho's experience has to use his brain here. Now, I'm always concerned about Jorginho in those types of games where it's really, really open and he's expected to cover big distances. And at times, today's game was a little bit like that. And I understand why people are critical of Jorginho in that sense. But what Jorginho normally does really, really well is takes good care of possession. He's normally, um, you know, very switched on. He's normally very aware of his surroundings. And he's normally, um, as I say, very responsible in these types of situations. Look, he must feel like shit. Like, he must honestly feel like shit. And I think when the full-time whistle went, I watched him sort of just bow his head down, throw his stuff on the ground and sort of start walking towards the tunnel. Mikel Arteta came uh, to give him a hug and sort of embrace him. So did Aaron Ramsdale and a number of other players that had come off of the bench to go and meet their teammates on the pitch post-match. And I felt for him. You know, I felt for him. What was brilliant to see and brilliant to hear was the Arsenal fans chanting for Jorginho just after he made that mistake, you know, trying to, um, you know, get behind him and support him and try and help him through that difficult moment so that we could go on and try and win the game. But the problem here comes from our shape, our setup. It, it, I know it's how we always set up and I know it's the shape that we always like to play with, but it is high risk football. And you know, unfortunately for us on this occasion, we've been burnt by it. Look at the situation that Jorginho's in now. He's on the ball, on the edge of the centre circle. He's got Ben White out to his right, but he can't be sure of what's going on over that right shoulder of his. The obvious option is William Saliba, who's dropped deeper and into that central position to receive the ball. Zinchenko is kind of in close proximity, but given Son's position, you don't make that pass. And then, of course, Gabriel, because of our shape and our structure, which pushes Zinchenko into midfield, is wide left. All Jorginho needs to do here is roll this back to William Saliba, who can see everything that's going on in front of him and who can, if he needs to, just simply clear his lines. He doesn't do that. And Spurs win it back through James Madison. And at this point, we're in deep, deep trouble. William Saliba is isolated. You know, if he goes to confront Madison, which he eventually has to do, Son is free. Gabriel's starting position leaves him in an area of the pitch room, which is impossible to get back and help out William Saliba and Spurs go and find that equalising goal. For me, the, the most annoying thing about this is, is the timing of it. You know, when you score a goal and you take the lead in a game where, you know, you haven't been at your best, because I don't think we were at our best today at any point in this fixture then you need to just be a little bit more mature, a little bit calmer. You need to be a little bit more streetwise. And players like Jorginho should have that in their locker. And normally he does. You know, nine times out of ten, he does. I don't want to kill the guy for a one-off mistake. I think he'll be fine. He's been through difficult things in his career before. But it's just so frustrating that having taken the lead, you throw it away so soon after, so quickly after. 
And then I think the pendulum in the game really, really swings. I think for a long time, I felt like we were going to lose it. We're going to come on and talk about individual performances in a minute, but I just wanted to highlight those bits and pieces with regards uh, to the Tottenham Hotspur goals, because, you know, you can wrap this up whatever way you want. You can package it up as being an, an afternoon on which Arsenal were unlucky. You can package it up as in we were quite lucky actually to get the point rather than anything less. There's lots of different lenses through which you can assess this game. But what you can't deny is our defending at home is atrocious at the moment and has been for quite some time. And what is it? Is it the fact that we play the way that we do, that makes us so vulnerable and susceptible to transitions? Equally, having said that, you know, if you put your chances away, you know, you don't even have to worry about a one-off mistake like that because, you know, you should be able to have enough at the other end to get through it. And, And more often than not, we will have more than enough to get through it. That Gabriel Jesus miss at 1-0 was, for me, unforgivable. I, I remember everybody else sort of just go, putting their hands on their head and like screaming with anguish as he blazed it over the bar. And I just had my head in my hands because I could not believe that a player of that quality had done all of the hard work, had done the most difficult bit, nicking the ball off of James Madison on the edge of his penalty area. He had the goal at his mercy. He had Guillermo Vicario at his mercy. And all he needs to do is slot it one way or the other. And instead, he completely snatches at the chance. So we can talk about Jorginho's mistake. Gabriel Jesus's miss is as big a mistake for me as that. Um, Just obviously in a different way, not the type that costs you, but the type that denies you uh, rather, which can be equally as significant in a game like this. I think, you know, the first half an hour, Arsenal were, I, I think by quite some distance, the better side but still not very, very good and still not clicking in the way that we normally do. But the second half, you know, with the exception of the penalty that we earned, what, nine minutes into the half and then Bukayo Saka converted, I thought we were really poor, really poor, really disjointed. Um, We looked tired. There was too many big spaces on the pitch that Tottenham were happy to sort of um, utilise with their runners and, and sort of with Kulusevsky on the right and, you know, Son coming in at times from the left-hand side. Brendan Johnson um, had a really good opportunity. Wonderful save, of course, from David Raya in the first half. Um, but ultimately, this this result and the performance, I think, is is a lot to do with the fact that we had a real imbalance in midfield as far as I'm concerned. I thought we started the game with an imbalanced midfield, but once we lost Declan Rice as well, well, then we had no chance of playing our best football. And the problem is here is that we've lost Thomas Partey. Declan Rice has picked up this back issue of which we know very little about at this stage. But you just feel like, yeah, we've gone and spent money and and we've built the squad out and it's better than it was before. But we're still always just a couple of injuries away from our level dropping super significantly. And I know I'm I'm probably being a little bit overreactionary with regards to some players and with regards to some specific issues tonight, because I've come home deeply, deeply frustrated by what I've just seen. Because as I keep saying, the performance was nowhere near the standard that we know that this team is capable of. Everything was sloppy. Every pass was badly weighted. Every tackle slightly mistimed. Every decision was taken slightly too slow. Just every element of our game tonight was lacking. You know, the amount of times that Ben White tried to play balls into Bukayo Saka 
and got the weight of the pass wrong. The amount of times that Ben White then overlapped Bukayo Saka on that Arsenal right-hand side, busting a gut to get in a position from which he could cut the ball back or, or try and pick someone out, and the pass back to him would be badly weighted. Martin Odegaard was a passenger at times today. Credit to Tottenham, they did a good job of, of really shutting the door and, and making it difficult and cutting the supply line to him. Um, but yeah, it just there were so many players that weren't at it. I didn't think Jesus was at it. Playing on the left, I thought Nketiah offered very little other than sliding into goalkeepers. Saka, I thought, had a bad game. You know, he looked knackered. He looked tired. He looked injured at the end as well, which is another concern and another worry. You know, we talk about Zinchenko playing from the left and, and sort of, you know, the way he drifts in field and all the rest of it. And that works great when you've got the right structure and the right players around him to facilitate that. When your midfield is that weak, you then can't afford to push your fullback in there as well. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Did Wednesday night's game against PSV Eindhoven take more out of us than we initially thought? Is that a possibility? I don't know. But I want to talk about some individual performances um, today because I think there's a few that we need to highlight. And I want to start off with David Raya in goal. What did I make of David Raya's performance? Um, obviously, I've referenced that brilliant save that he made down to his right from Brennan Johnson. For what it's worth, if Brennan Johnson puts that in the corner, not a goalkeeper in the world is saving it um, from that position. So you've got to give Raya credit. I think it's a bad miss from Johnson at the same time, but Raya still deserves his flowers for getting down to his right-hand side. Throughout the duration of the time that we were A, linked with David Raya, and then B, post the signing, all I've heard from people is, his distribution is excellent. It is excellent. It is brilliant. It's on a whole new level to Aaron Ramsdale's. And that is the reason that he's been selected ahead of him. That is the reason that he has displaced Aaron Ramsdale and come into the side. Now, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions. I'm not going to sort of um, suggest that David Raya isn't a good enough goalkeeper. And I'm certainly not going to tell you that his distribution on the whole is bad and, and I'm not going to, as I say, make any rash judgments and, and come up with any rash opinions off the back of one game. But what I will say is this. In today's game, this afternoon at Emirates Stadium, I did not see anything, not a single sign from David Raya that his distribution is better than Aaron Ramsdale's. Every time he received the ball at his feet, he, he doddled on it, he took time and he invited pressure, which put him in a situation where more often than not, he had to rashly clear the ball to nobody. There were times where he had to clear the ball out into touch. At no point did I see him pick out a pass. At no point did I see him put it in an interesting channel. Even with the ball in his hands, you know, there was a couple of times where he made some sort of standard throws out to the right back, out to the left back, whatever. But generally speaking, I don't think I saw anything with regards to David Rice's distribution today to give me belief that it is so far better than Aaron Ramsdale's that he needs to play at this moment in time. Now, I know that that sounds hypocritical because I said earlier on that it was right to leave Ramsdale in the side because he kept two clean sheets on the bounce. And I stick by that. I'm not going to be a hindsight merchant here and say, you know, Mikel was wrong. He got this horribly wrong. Look, I would have done the same thing. I'd have left Ryer in the team. But you've got to judge his performance today. The first time he come up against a side that were willing to press him, to close him down, to, to work us defensively, and um, and and a team that wouldn't allow him essentially to play like a centre back because they were all up in our faces at every opportunity. 
when he had the ball under pressure, he did not look very comfortable at any point. Um, at any point. Let's take some of your thoughts on this, um, on this Raya discussion. Uh, Prince Thomas says, facts, Raya isn't better than Ramsdale. Um, more than a wheelchair says, Ramsdale is the fans' number one. Come on. Um, Robert says, no disrespect to Brentford, but Raya hasn't played in such an intense big game like this. Maybe not, but he has to get up to speed quickly. If he wants to be Arsenal's number one, Every game's going to be like this. Most games are going to be like this because we're going to be involved in the biggest games if we want to compete for the biggest trophies. And for me, you know, he had to do... Uh, look, I'm not saying that I expect him to slice open defences with these unbelievable 40, 50-yard balls. That's not what I'm asking from my goalkeeper. You know, I'm a, I prefer that my goalkeeper play it safe in pressured situations. I prefer it that my goalkeeper doesn't take silly risks. But today... I, I didn't think he he even did that comfortably. Even when he was just clearing the ball upfield, he miskicked some, he put some out of play. You know, it, it just wasn't there for me today with David Ryan. And, and I'm not going to write him off. And, and I don't think that you should, um, you should write him off after one game where we're sort of questioning his performance. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. ...in one aspect. But yeah, I didn't think it was great. Robert says, Harry, has the team been a touch unsettled about Ramsdale being replaced? I was having this conversation with my dad on the way back to the car after the game. And look, I have been very vocal on the fact that I think competition is a good thing. And I really do believe that. So I'm not going to sit here and say now that actually replacing Aaron Ramsdale is, has been our undoing. You know, we went and won at Everton. We were really comfortable, really dominant in that game. And then we blew PSV away um, in midweek. So I'm not going to say that, that you know, the competition is is now not such a good thing and all the rest of it. But what I will say is this. I wonder if it's added nerves. I wonder if the fact that Mikel Arteta has shown this real ruthless side has led some players to feeling like, they're only one mistake away from losing their place in the team. And if that is the case, then that could be a, a slight negative and a problem. Uh, Wesbird says Ramsdale has a, a real connection with the fans and should have started in the North London derby. DS Electronics says Raya didn't show that he is better than Ramsdale. However, he was calm in most cases. I don't think he was calm today. I don't think he was calm. Paul Nell says he isn't to blame. We couldn't play out from the back and they bypassed our midfield all game. I'm not blaming him for us not winning the game, by the way. Like, uh, I'm not blaming him for Arsenal not performing on the whole or generally speaking. I'm not doing that at all. Please don't take me the wrong way. That is not what I'm trying to say here. All I am saying is, I don't think for someone whose supposedly biggest strength is his distribution of the ball out from the back, I don't think we saw any sign of that on this particular occasion. Not pinning the, the, the scoreline on him, not pinning the fact that we didn't win on him. 
Anyway, let's take it on. Ben White, for me, today, looked awful. Really, really poor um, in terms of his fitness, in terms of his sharpness. We've highlighted um, his part in the first Spurs goal. I thought he could have done much better. He needed to be quicker to react. Um, and he needed to and he needed to to be closer to his man and sharper to what was unfolding around him and more alert with regards to what was happening around him and he just he just didn't do it um i wasn't that impressed with his performance there i have to say that i thought saliba at the back was immense um i i really do i think gabriel was okay zinchenko okay odegaard pretty non-existent fabio vieira in the first half not dominant enough for me. Declan Rice was pretty good in the first half. And once he went off, I think we were derailed even more. Saka, a bit of a letdown today, I have to say that. Um, Jesus, want to see more from him, but I understand it's difficult when you're playing out on the left wing. And Eddie and Ketia, I want to see more than just hard work. I want to see quality at times. And there are occasions with Nketiah where the quality just isn't there. Um, yeah, the work rate's always there and, and that gives him a bit of a pass, doesn't it? But yeah, we just lacked quality in that centre-forward position um, up there today. And and it was annoying because we had a top-quality centre-forward playing from the left-hand side. When we had the likes of Reese Nelson and Emil Smith-Rowe on the bench, to me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. But hey, what do I know? Anyway, um, what else did I, I, I want to touch on? Spurs, I mean, I thought Ange Postacoglu's side were really, really brave in the way that they tried to play out from the back. And, you know, they were going to stick to it no matter what. We nicked the ball off them in advanced positions on a couple of occasions. There was one where Eddie and Ketia got in behind from the angle, probably should have cut it back instead. He smashed it towards the near post and it was well blocked and saved by the goalkeeper. And then uh, there was the other moment, the Gabriel Jesus moment, where James Madison came to receive the ball on the edge of his box, dispossessed by the Brazilian who couldn't put the chance away. And at that point, you're thinking, you know, we've rattled these lots. You know, we're, we're, we're nicking the ball off them in those types of areas. It's only a matter of time before they panic, before they make a mistake, before they opt to go that little bit longer. Even if that's not an instruction from the manager, just as players, if they take that decision to go that little bit longer from fear of, of you know, losing the ball in those areas and ending up conceding goals as a result. But it just all went away after half time. You know, we weren't able to apply that same level of pressure. In terms of legs in the midfield, we weren't able to keep up with, in particular, um, Saar and Bisuma, who were two incredible footballers in terms of their work rate and their strength and their power and their mobility. They dominated that midfield. They ate it up. And it was the exact reason why I didn't want to see Fabio Vieira start in this game. Now, I'm not saying that with Kai Havertz from the start, it would have been much better or that it would have made that much difference. But as I keep saying, I think physically he's a bit he's got more to offer than Fabio Vieira. To me, I don't like this balance of midfield. I've, I've said it all season long. I understand the thought process behind it. And we talked about it when we did our Kai Havertz breakdown video the other day. But to me, generally speaking, when you come up against sides that have mobile midfields, that have players that can cover pretty much every blade of grass, that have that fitness and the drive in the engine, you know, and and then on top of that, the quality to get on the ball Loads like Spurs did today, as we mentioned already, you know, they had the lion's share of possession, which isn't something that happens at Arsenal Football Club. When you take that into consideration, you know, it was it was obvious that our imbalance in midfield was going to be an issue. And um, and yeah, we, we couldn't make our possession count enough 
And ultimately, you know, Mikel Arteta always says the more possession, the more chances you have of winning the game. Well, the fact that our midfield was so imbalanced, I think, actually cost us in terms of getting possession from which we could then potentially make things happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really, really frustrated. We're going to obviously um, reflect on it a little bit more um, overnight. And then tomorrow, of course, we'll bring you another episode of the podcast. But, you know, on the one hand, I'm sitting here thinking North London derby. And we didn't really turn up in terms of getting anywhere close to our best level. I'm thinking that the manager made some decisions that didn't really make sense. I mean, his substitutions in the second half, the decision to take off Jesus when Bakayo Saka could barely walk on the far side made no sense. That was bizarre. I can only think that maybe it's because of Jesus's continuing recovery from his injury problem and that there was always an expectation that he was going to have to be taken off at around about that point in the game. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But, you know, I question the selection from the start. I question the in-game management. I think all of that stuff was not quite right on the on the day, if we're being, you know, honest. But also, I think that, you know, the players have a lot to answer for today in terms of the performances. Jesus puts that ball in the back of the net. We're not talking like this tonight. Um, Jorginho plays that simple back pass to Saliba. We're not talking about it. In this in this way and in this manner, we gifted Tottenham a, a goal today. Um, in fact, we gifted them two goals. I'm not saying performance-wise they weren't good value for a point. I think that would be unfair to say. But when you have those moments and when it is literally your own players pressing the kind of self-implode um, button, then then of course you've got every right, I think, to feel frustrated and downbeat. But yeah, anyway. Um, those are kind of my bits on the game. Um, I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I haven't made any notes tonight. I've literally just come home, pressed live stream, um, showed you guys a couple of screenshots to explain a couple of points. But anything that kind of comes to mind as I re-watch the game uh, first thing tomorrow morning, I ain't got the stomach to do it tonight. I'm sorry. I'm going to re-watch it first thing tomorrow morning. We'll bring you another episode. Maybe there'll be some new learns, some new takeaways uh, from watching it with a calmer, cooler head. But from being in the ground today. And I, listen, that's another reason I'm disappointed. You know, for the first time in a long time, I was back in the North Bank with friends and, you know, there for the sort of fan match day experience without having any other responsibilities in terms of work. And um, and it ended with what I think was a below par performance and in the end, a, a frustrating and disappointing result. It says a lot though, doesn't it, about where the two clubs are at. I mean, no Spurs fans at the final whistle were celebrating as if they just won the league. Um, and us, you know, we had our heads down and we were disappointed and frustrated because we would picked up a draw um, in the game against the side that have also started the campaign pretty strongly and pretty well. OK, let's take some of your thoughts and comments from the live chat. Start getting them in. Uh, we're going to take a really, really short pause while you do that. And then we'll come back and answer some of your questions. Uh, big thank you to Joe Allen as well his very very kind super chat donation mate thank you so so much um it means the world really do appreciate it okay short pause we'll be back and we'll be taking your questions and thoughts on the north london derby it finished arsenal 2 tottenham hotspur 2 welcome back to the show welcome back to the show uh, the shake afc says um we lack leadership and quality no one shone or showed commitment can't say I disagree with that. Neil Cooper says, I would like the boss to calm down a bit. I think his erratic behavior tends to negatively impact the team. 
surely concentrating on tactics would be more helpful. It's interesting because Arteta said um, after the game, I think it was in the press conference, that we needed to, you know, be... We needed to be a little bit smarter. He, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying that we need to be a little bit smarter because we can't play at a thousand miles an hour all the time and that we kind of lack composure at certain moments and in certain times. And I could see Arteta on the touchlines, you know, giving it the sort of calm it down signal on numerous occasions. So I think he was a little bit frustrated by that as well. I think, you know, we want to play in a certain way and we want to open teams up. And as I keep saying, you know, the, the football that we play is high-risk football, particularly when we have the ball in those defensive areas. Lots of the time, it gives us the advantage because we can drag people out of position and we can progress the ball through the lines quicker. And that way we can pull teams apart and get the goals that we need to get. But on occasion, this will happen. And it's just really frustrating that it happened in a game where, you know, A, um, there's a lot up for grabs and there's a lot at stake because it's Tottenham Hotspur, the big rivals. And B, because it was up against a team that were good enough to capitalise on our two mistakes. You know, outside of that, did Tottenham create that much? I don't think they really did. Um, and that's, again, what makes it really, really frustrating. I know in terms of shots and shots on target, we're of, of similar statistics, but I, I didn't feel massively threatened by Spurs outside of those two moments which makes it all the more frustrating that we weren't able um, to see the game out. Look, you take the lead twice, as I said, right at the top of the show and you don't win the game. How can you not be um, disappointed and frustrated? Um, interesting, Stephen says more than 50% of their possession was in their own half. Um, yeah, maybe it was. I, I haven't checked the statistics on that. Maybe it was. They had a lot of the ball in their own half, but that was them controlling the game. That was them, you know, playing the, the game that they wanted to play, hoping that they could, lure us in uh, and maybe go that little bit more direct with the pace of Son and then uh, Brennan Johnson as well, who started the game, I think, for that reason. Um, you know, I, I think that that's fine. You know, Tottenham had a lot of the ball and it kind of feeds in actually to what I was saying a minute ago, which is I didn't ever feel that threatened. But if they have 50% of possession rather than the 28 to 30% that teams on average would have at Emirates Stadium... So that extra 20% of possession significantly reduces their chances of conceding goals. And that's how they would have looked at it, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. MM says, uh, is Zinchenko the answer to the midfield issues if we go um, if we go with the back four? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Zinchenko plays a very specific role in this team. But for me, it only works with the right components around him. And there were times today where he looked uncomfortable defensively and where I didn't feel we had the midfield cover to help plug the holes in front of that um, area, meaning that Gabriel could be a little bit more forthright in coming out. Um, you certainly didn't get the work rate that Martinelli normally brings you down that left-hand side, getting back and supporting as well. So I think it's a combination of factors as to why I feel that way about Zinchenko's performance today. But we keep talking about him as a midfielder because he drifts into that position. But the truth is, he's never played there for us. So I'd be shocked if Mikel Arteta was to start doing that now. Uh, Graham says, great show, Harry. I feel your pain. Uh, invincible season still on. Yeah, we're still unbeaten. And this is the thing. When I said that, you know, tomorrow we'll probably look at it a bit different and we'll be calmer and all the rest of it. I genuinely believe that tomorrow I'll be able to look at this game and go, um, you know, disappointing performance. 
Um, not the outcome that we wanted. Lots of things wrong on the day, but hey, we take it on the chin. We didn't lose and we move on. I'll probably feel like that tomorrow. But right now, I'm so frustrated because I think there's a culmination of reasons as to why we've ended up drawing at home to Spurs. A, I think the team selection was wrong. B, I think the way that he managed the game in-game was wrong. Obviously, we were badly affected by the loss of Declan Rice, not to mention all the players that we're without in terms of on the left flank, Leandro Trossard, Gabriel Martinelli. And then you add into that the likes of Thomas Partey, who, whose absence amplifies the significance of Rice's absence when he has to go off at half time. There's a lot of factors here at play, right? And, and I'm not sitting here going, get Mikel out or any of that nonsense. But I, I just think that with what he had available to him, he could have set up in a smarter way and in a way that would have been closer in terms of the setup to what we're used to, which in my opinion would have bred continuity and uh, and would have put us in a greater, stronger position to go on and win the game. Let's take a few more. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, Ayan says, um, Partey missing again due to injuries. Also, he'll be away going to AFCON. A good bid. Should we look to sell him and buy a player that is a good buy and maybe get Ivan Tony in while selling or loaning Eddie? There's a lot there to unpack in that question. So, yeah, the AFCON is coming up, which may mean um, that, you know, we're without Thomas Partey for a period of time. You know, generally speaking, I think we coped OK without Thomas Partey um, so far. But then when you play against semi-decent opposition and you have that imbalanced midfield, which includes a Havertz or a Vieira, either one of them, you're going to struggle. And that's what we saw today. And we all had question marks about that going into the season. When we heard that Havertz was coming in to play as a left eight, all of us were like, what? How does that work? Doesn't that upset the midfield balance? Because he's hardly a like-for-like -like replacement to Granite Xhaka. And let's be honest, that midfield last season, I thought was brilliant. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're missing Partey. Obviously, we're going to miss him later down the line with this as well. Should we look to sell him? I mean, how much are you going to get for him now? Is it even worth it? Like, or or is it better to keep him in the squad within the group because he can be um, of great use to us? Uh, Sooty says, uh, our energy level dropped off a clip after Jesus missed his sitter. Raya put us under unnecessary pressure. After six games, City looked like they will run away with it and could go unbeaten this season. That's the scary thing. But listen, I made my peace with the whole Manchester City thing last season. I have to say that. I never went into this season thinking we're going to win the league. Because I made my peace with how good uh, Manchester City are last time out, as I say. Uh, Steal Your Face says, uh, I'm so sad, Harry. You might, you are my only solace in this dark time. Um, another thing that got on my nerves and, and got under my skin a little bit. And um, I'm interested to know what you guys think about this. Bukayo Saka giving it the whole dart celebration, copying James Madison or, or seemingly mocking James Madison. What do people make of that? I didn't like that. I didn't think there was any need for that, really. Um, and when you then don't win the game, and in particular, if that player has a big impact, as James Madison did in the build-up to both goals, I think you look a bit silly. I didn't think Bukayo Saka really was about that, to be honest with you. And I'm I'm surprised. I'm not going to make a, a massive thing and say I'm really angry. I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed and all the rest of it. But yeah, I thought that was a little bit out of character. I don't know. I don't know. Gunner Deja Vu says, today you're actually more objective. Tomorrow, the delusion will kick in. Thank you very much, mate. 
uh, and really, really appreciate it. But look, we we need to tighten up defensively, particularly at home. And, and I don't know what the solution is. Are we taking too many risks in our build-up in terms of what we saw um, with this situation? If I bring this back on the screen, you know, if you go back to here when Jorginho um, brings the ball under control, semi under control, and should just roll it back to Saliba for us to clear. If you go back to that, you look at the setup, and it very much is a back three of White, Saliba, and Gabriel with Zinchenko going into the middle alongside the midfielder. The problem is with that back three is that it's there are massive spaces between each of those three components. You know, between Saliba and White, there's there's half a pitch of distance. And the same can be said of Gabriel on this near side. And so why I call it high-risk football is because if you lose the ball, the distances that you are asking those defenders to cover in order to get back into a compact shape, which is defending 101, is, you know, is a problem. You're asking for too much. And that's, again, why I call it high-risk football. And there are times to play high-risk football and there are times to be a little bit more conservative, a little bit smarter, a little bit more streetwise. And one minute after you've just scored a goal to get your noses in front in the North London derby is not the time to be playing this football. And I don't know that Mikel Arteta insisted that they continue playing that way. I don't know what's said between him and his players, and I certainly don't know what he was thinking at that moment in time. But I just think, for me, um, you know, even as footballers, forget the manager's role in this, as footballers, you've got to be mature enough to, to sort of take control and say, yes, this is what the manager wants us to do. Yes, this is a basic principle of our playing style, but we've just scored. We've got our noses in front. Let's let's keep it tight. Let's not do anything stupid. Everybody drop five yards deeper. Let's get on the ball. Let's kill the game a little bit. And then let's hopefully see it out. To continue playing this way at this point or, or to be in this shape one minute after you've just uh, scored a goal, just to me, I don't know, it makes zero sense. Um, what else have we got? Um, uh, Ghana Deja Vu says, I know defensively we've not been at our best, but you're ignoring the fact that offensively we've been even worse. Look at our goals scored versus goals conceded. We're more behind in goals scored. Are we? Let's have a look. Uh, our goal difference is plus five. So how can we be? Um, anyway, uh, let me know if you meant something slightly different. I I'm not sure about that one. Um, AFCP says, how would you fix the imbalances in the midfield? Personally, I don't think we have the personnel to fix that imbalance. And that was my frustration with some of the recruitment in the summer in that particular area. And that was why, you know, I, I found the habit signing a little bit strange. I think on an individual level, he's a good player and I think he will come good. And despite what people say in the chat, I thought it was decent today when he came on in the second half. Um, I, I think that in an ideal world, when you've got Partey fit, you play him and Rice. That's how you fix it for me. But clearly, Mikel Arteta up until this point hasn't fancied that. I wonder if Partey was playing at fullback just because Zinchenko was out. If Zinchenko's fit and Partey returns, could we see him go back into midfield along with Rice? If Mikel Arteta wasn't thinking that before today and before this game, I think he will be thinking it moving forward because he's not a stupid man. He will have seen all the fragilities today. He would have seen all of the issues. He would have identified why 
we were being overrun in midfield. And it was because, A, we didn't have the physical presence in two of the three positions, and B, because um, the, the balance was not right between offensive and defensive-minded players. And I think that's really, really important. I always used to say this about Arsenal's midfield last season. People used to say, why does it work so well with Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard? I've said this a million times, but it's simple for me. Xhaka was the one tasked with playing on the left side of the midfield. He was tasked with getting forward when it made sense and helping press when it made sense. But having played as a defensive midfielder, he always had that sort of defensive instinct. You know, people used to say he wasn't a good defender and I accept that. But in terms of positioning and awareness, he always for me had that defensive instinct to know when to drop in alongside Partey, to get a feel of the game himself and go, yes, Mikel wants me to push, but I need to sit five, six yards deeper here to support Partey. He brought that balance to that midfield because you had Partey sitting at the base of it, Odegaard with slightly more license, and then, of course, uh, Xhaka being the in-between man, if you like. So, yeah, um, that's how I feel about that. Um, Sooty FM says, I don't think the shape is the issue. It's a poor decision by Jorginho to try a skill to fool Madison, simply pass to Saliba or Raya, and we don't concede the goal. Look, I agree with that. I just think, like, here, though, you're you're always... I always think that a team is susceptible to being caught out when your three defenders are that far apart from each other. Does that make sense? If you look at Ben White on that far side, look at where he's placed, right? He's out by the touchline. On this near side, Gabriel's barely in the picture because of how wide he is. And Saliba's sitting at the base. For me, you know, when you're growing up learning how to play football and, and all the best defensive coaches in the world will tell you that it's about spaces, reducing those spaces, being compact. You always want to defend the centre of your goal first, the width of your penalty area first. That's one of Diego Simeone's core defensive principles. I'm not saying that Arteta should morph into Simeone and play that way or anything like that. But look, we've pushed Zinchenko into midfield here and left ourselves with a back three. Jorginho happens to have dropped in between uh, those players on this instance that I'm showing you on the screen. But I just think the gap between Saliba, White and Gabriel is way too big. And so any turnover of possession against half-decent players puts you into um, puts you into trouble, in my opinion. Um, Stefan says, hi, Harry. Appreciate um, you feel... It didn't make sense how they were there, but in their positions, Jorginho had options and did not need to take on Madison. Simply poor decision-making. I, I agree. I, I agree with the fact that Jorginho could have done better. I even highlighted it on this slide. I've drawn the arrow as to where I think he should have passed the ball. He should have just taken one touch, looked up, spotted Madison and Son come in and just rolled it back to Saliba. But, but I think when you play the way that we play and you take the risks that we take, then you have to be aware that if you do lose the ball in these types of areas, it can very quickly get messy. And that's what happened today. Not saying that we should change our game plan and strategy and tactics or anything like that. I'm just saying that on this instance, that's partly why we're not able to recover from Jorginho's bad pass because he isn't the last man. Do you see what I mean? In another setup, in another system, there's a chance that you're able to get back quick enough to at least hold up the play and give yourself a greater chance of defending it. In this situation, we essentially leave, and if I take this slide on to the next one, look, you'll see it here. We essentially leave William Saliba isolated against two Tottenham forwards. 
because that's because of our shape. Because Ben White is so far away, he can't get back. And Gabriel is coming in off the left and he can't get back close enough to Saliba for it to become a two-on-two situation at any point. So there is some validity to what I'm saying here um, on that. Okay, um, guys, I think I'm going to leave it at that. A a frustrating, disappointing afternoon at Emirates Stadium. Um, I'm going to watch it back. I'm going to try and analyse it with a calmer, cooler head. Um, You know, it could have been worse. We could have lost the game and we didn't. So for that, let's be grateful. I guess it was a a poor, poor uh, performance overall, I thought, from Arsenal. I think there was 101 things wrong with that performance. Sloppiness of passing, bad decision-making, a lack of intensity at certain points, a lack of physicality going into certain duels. There was a lot of things for me that just weren't quite right. The finishing was off. The, The way that Mikel influenced the game um, from the bench was, or or tried to influence the game, was ineffective in the end. I think there are so many things that you can point to um, when it comes to this result. Tonight, for me, on Sunday night at 7.30 when I'm recording this, it feels feels like a defeat. It it feels like a defeat. It really, really does. So, um, yeah. Uh, Sooty, just quickly on that shape thing, says, from working with and watching academy coaches, a key philosophy is when you have the ball, make the pitch big. When you don't have it, make the pitch small. There's no need to lose the ball there. I agree with the principle of making the pitch big when you're in possession. And I agree with, you know, making it small when you don't, which goes back to that point of being compact. But it isn't easy to go from making the pitch big to making the pitch small again that quickly when the distances are so big. So you're relying on never giving the ball away in those situations. And the reality of football is that with most teams high pressing nowadays, most teams worth any sort of weight, you will give the ball away sometimes. So you have to find a way of being able to manage those transitions better. And... For me, in that particular instance, you've left William Saliba isolated against two Tottenham forwards. And that can't happen. It will happen from time to time when you're chasing goals, when you're going out there proactively trying to find the back of the net to win a game. But it should never happen one minute after you've just taken the lead. That's that's my view on it. I, I understand the principles and I agree with the principles overall. But you're always at your most vulnerable after you've just scored. That's basics. And so to be that open and to put ourselves in that position is naive um, to me. But anyway, look, um, I'm sure we'll um, we'll come up with some more talking points tomorrow. Um, I'm going to watch the game back. I'm going to watch some more of the interviews and and the rest of it. And um, and I'll catch up with you guys tomorrow. Thank you as always for tuning in. Don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Can't believe we haven't even got 100 likes on the board yet. Was it that bad a show? Uh, like, subscribe, all the rest of it, and I will see you guys soon. Until then. Take care of yourselves and have a good evening. Up the Arsenal. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.